Pushed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Ole finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon. Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Benyera, beautifully done, sensational. Hello and welcome along to Le Bourgeois after another dramatic weekend of football in Ligue 1 Uber Eats, but also a weekend of mourning following the news that Bernard Tapie has passed away at the age of 78. The president of Olympique de Marseille from 1986 to 1993 Tappy oversaw the construction of one of French football's greatest club sides. His talent and charisma made him an extraordinary leader of men. And while his reputation was tarnished by the match-fixing scandal of 1993, Bernard Tappy will always be remembered as a legendary figure in Marseille and a massively influential one in the world of French football. Now, before we delve into the weekend's action... Ian Holyman and uh, Robbie Thompson are here with me this morning and I'd like to get a, a quick word from you, gentlemen, about the, um, the uh, amazing man that, uh, that Bernard Tappy was. Ian, I'll start with you. You were at the Marseille game. It was, uh, it was up in the north of France against Lille, but uh, I imagine Bernard Tappy's sort of presence in the heavens was, uh, was, was felt at the Stade Pierre Mauroy. Well, he, he would have he would have unfortunately struggled to see the game because he had the roof closed at the Stade Pierre Mauroy yesterday to, to keep the elements out because it was a, a pretty miserable day um, all round in northern France. A, a lot of Marseille fans in the stadium, despite officially not being allowed to be there. Um, a lot of tribute to the boss, as as he's known in Marseille. Um, it's 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 pretty ironic. Um, for, for for a club that really is, was such big rivals with PSG that that Tappy was. Is from Paris and um, had a huge, huge amount of achievements in his life. Not just that 1993 Champions League win, but um, obviously got to them, got them to the final in '91. But yeah, I didn't realise he had a cycling team that won the Tour de France uh, back in the back in the 1980s. He was he was a politician. He was a real showman. I mean, the fact that we had all heard of Bernard Tapie before we came to France and, and worked in French football says a huge amount about his achievements and, and about his incredible character. And Robbie, um, Ian uh, alluded to the fact, yeah, that Tappy was from Paris and that there's this huge rivalry, but actually the PSG Marseille rivalry was um, enormously sort of uh, generated by Bernard Tappy himself, wasn't it, in the in the 1980s? Yeah, it was. That was, that was his... I mean, Real claim to fame, wasn't it, for, for, for building Marseille? I didn't know he had a cycling team either, but history will remember Bernard Tappy as the, the president of, of Marseille, the first club to ever win, the first French club to ever win uh, the Champions League, and to this day remains the only one. So that's his, that's his claim to fame. That's what, that's what he did, and that's why Marseille fans rightly revere him. Um, yes, there you mentioned the a little bit tarnished by the the match fixing scandal, but you know I think there was a lot of match fixing going on back in those days a, across the board. And and he famously said after that um, that elimination when was it in in 1990 I think when they were beaten by Benfica a handball and he said oh now I understand how you have to have to win the Champions League. Perhaps that's 
that's you know was was par for the course back in those days. Um, but no doubt about the fact that he built that Marseille side. He brought fantastic players. There were the Waddles, the Boxiches, the 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 the, the local players, the Mosers, the a fantastic French side. I mean, look, it was a, a fantastic football side. It was unarguably one of the best in Europe in the in the late eighties, early nineties. And uh yeah, he will be sorely missed by by Marseille fans, even if he has been removed from football for for many years now and uh also sick and, and battling battling cancer for, for a number of years now. Yeah, well I think I think you're right, Robbie, and I think, you know, the the people of Marseille obviously hold him so close to, to their hearts. And I think unless you've sort of lived through that period um down in Marseille in the in the in the eighties and nineties, I obviously didn't. My wife did. She's told me stories uh, about about what it was like at the velodrome, the noise, the excitement and the way the way that city lives for football and Bernard Tappy um contributed so much uh, so much to that. Um I've also heard a lot of stories from 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 players, and uh, they all have stories about about Bernard Tappy. I, I saw Chris Waddle was was on Twitter yesterday, paying his uh, tributes. He he held Tappy in huge huge uh, uh, regard, as did Tony Cascarino. We're going to hear um, a little anecdote from from Tony Cascarino, uh, who played for Marseille in the in the early nineteen nineties and had one or two run-ins himself with Le Boss. I went to Paris to sign, um, or well, negotiate. The first meeting was in Paris to negotiate, and the second meeting was to go to Marseille and sign when I crossed uh, Rudy Villa. Um, and when I went to his chateau in Paris, um, no, and he went, Hately? And I went, Yeah, and he put his thumb down to me. <laughs> so I like, I looked at him and thought, you know exactly what I am. You've brought me to be a big centre forward and you have a certain way you want to play in Division 2. But he was like that. We, You mentioned the Olympiacos there, Matt. And when we played Olympiacos away, I talked to a journalist from England before the game. And he saw me chatting. I was chatting away. And we came in at half-time and we were, I missed two sitters in the, in the first half. And from nowhere, he launched into me and said, how much they pay you how much how much you kept doing this and i was like what uh, two occasions two occasions you missed you missed and going and he was literally going so i told him to where to go i said i'll f off uh, to him and he took his jacket off and come over to me in the dressing room with his literally his arms rest his fist clenched and all the lads jumped in between me and tappy and i'm still telling him where to go and they're like no 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 no, no. calm 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 and this is all in a half time at Olympiacos of course we go out second half we win the game we win when we get back to the uh, the training ground uh, the commandery in Marseille the next day he pulls up in a car on the pitch while the game's going on comes out of the car and comes up to me and says uh, you big uh, bullser big bullser and I just <laughs> laugh it was just really weird but, but he was um, a maverick. I think the one thing that, that always stood out for me is that Tappy really knew his football and knew what he wanted from his team and his demands were extraordinary. Um, he could lie. He could tell you <laughs> he'd missed you know, like, but strange, an incredible personality. Well, great stuff from, from Tony Cascarino, remembering the late Bernard Tappy, who sadly died on Sunday at the age of, of 78. 
I'm sure Bernard Tappy uh, would want us to to talk about football and to talk about all the excitement we're enjoying in Ligue 1 at the moment. And uh, I tell you what, I had a, an incredible commentary match on Sunday night. We're going to start with uh, Le, Le Darby, Saint-Étienne versus Lyon. This was um, an electric atmosphere. Saint-Étienne without a win all season. Rumours that Claude Puel could be... Um, could be on his way if Saint-Étienne were to lose against Lyon. Let's hear what happened at the Stade Drofwagisha. Now possibilities for Lyon. Usam Awa with the shot in this time. Awa has beaten Etienne Green. Oh, the Saint-Étienne goalkeeper made two wonderful saves to deny the France midfielder. But this time Usam Awa finds the net and gives Lyon the lead in the derby. And now at the other end, Boanga. Denny Boanga in the clear. Lopez. He's gone down holding his face. He's trying to get back now. And Tanaya clears. Incredible drama here. Usumawa through at one end and then seconds later it's Denny Buanga going through. Saint-Étienne feel Lopez has used his hands. Lopez is in big, big trouble here. Now, the card is coming out and it is red for Anthony Lopez. Drama in the derby here in Saint-Étienne. Lyon lose their goalkeeper. And they're going to have to play the last 17 minutes plus added time with 10 men. Kazri steps up. And Kazri slots it past Polisbeck. And the Stadrofwagishan explodes. Saint-Étienne rescue a point at the death. And Wabi Kazri who has done everything but score tonight, finally finds the back of the net. Well, i tell you what, as derbies go, this one, it just had absolutely everything. It was so, so dramatic. I think we had three disallowed goals. We had that that red card for Anthony Lopez. We had a penalty. We had Saint-Étienne um, hit the woodwork twice. Kasri incredibly headed against the post when he had an open goal. And then Gorna Dwat hit, hit, hit the underside of the crossbar. Um, I think we had seven or eight VAR um, moments. Uh, Yeah, just incredible, incredible drama and a really, really good and important result for for, for Saint-Étienne who kept on fighting um, Ian. And, uh, you know, perhaps that goal, that penalty from Wabi Kazri has kept Puel uh, in a job. Saint-Étienne is still bottom, but if they show that sort of heart, if the players fight like that, um, then they're going to be okay this season. I actually fell asleep during during that one, Matt. Oh, sorry, actually, no, I fell asleep before the warm-up. And then uh, during the game, dear me, I mean, talk about incident, incident Phil. I think um, I think that uh, Claude Puel was channeling, channeling his uh, inner Jean-Louis Gasset yesterday with the, with the cap on, um, the scowl as well, which is, which is pretty much his as well. I mean, it, it's amazing that his first game in charge was that derby back in December 2019. I don't know if you remember, Robert Berich got a very late winner and yesterday's, you know, Kazri's penalty really felt really felt like a winner for Saint-Étienne. I mean, they still haven't won this season. Uh, is it a turning point? <laughs> Players and the and the Saint-Étienne fans are always going to get get up for that game. They 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 haven't made life that difficult at times for Lyon in the past. But in that in that sort of environment, um, something like that that can happen, and. Um, I still, I really hope Saint Etienne get out of trouble uh, because they're a fabulous, 
club in terms of their history, if not perhaps necessarily in the way that things have been handled behind the scenes in recent times. But they've got they've got the quality, haven't they? Aren't they a better quality side than a side that is 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 in the relegation zone in, in Ligue 1 Uber Eats right now? I think so. I think Saint-Etienne have got the quality. I think they've got some brilliant young players. We saw Etienne Green uh, again. I mean, he is a special goalkeeper, 21 years of age. In, in the first half, he had this sort of ongoing duel with Usamawa. It was interesting, Leon, um, they're without Moussa Dembele and Islam Slimani at the moment. So they did the same um, as they did against Brombu in the... Um, in the Europa League on Thursday, they played Lucas Paqueta as a false nine. It's almost Awa and Paqueta playing playing as sort of a strike partnership. And Awa looks like he's got his sharpness back. There was a left-footed volley from Awa that Green... I mean, it was one of the best saves I've ever seen live from Etienne Green. He then made another good save from Awa's header. And then uh, Usem Awa silenced the Joffre Guichard with a lovely... A lovely low shot, and then made a, a bit of a sign to the to the fans, telling them to 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 pipe down, to calm down a bit. The noise was just unbelievable last night. But I do think you're right, Ian. I think I think they've got quality. Um, they're lacking firepower, aren't they? That was only their eighth goal this season. We we talk about Leon not having a striker. I mean, Saint Etienne played with 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 Wabi Kazri as a as a false nine. The Uruguayan striker they brought in uh, Ramirez is, is is taking his time to to settle but um Robbie we'll talk about some of the incidents uh, as well um the red card I mean the game effectively turned on 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 two handballs uh, Anthony Lopez coming out of his box um handling the ball referee looked at VAR and quite rightly sent Lopez off and then in the 94th or 95th minute the cross from the right from Maddie Camera and I, I, I thought it was well defended by Jason Denier initially on first viewing, but his arms were up. And Robbie, you know, we had all these VAR consultations last night and I had a few colleagues grumbling saying, oh, it just, you know, ruins the sort of, uh, you know, the flow of the game. But ultimately, these are big games and the big decisions were right thanks to the video. And that was a handball from, from Denier. Yeah, I think the game has changed so much we have this technology these are arguments that have been used for for years now saying look we have the technology why don't we use it it's just we have to it's a new way of of watching football isn't it it's a new way of 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 spending your sunday and it's i think it's harder if you're actually at the ground as well because you sometimes when you're at the ground especially in a derby match like this you you don't really know what's going on um and so it's a little bit harder to 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 understand all the video assistant referee, but you know they they make the right decision. We know that it's it's still down to interpretation sometimes, and sometimes interpretations go go one way or the other. There were a couple of decisions that went to to VAR that I thought were a little bit harsh over the weekend as well, when the referee gave a red card or 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 a certain sanction, which I don't think necessarily in the heat of the moment, because I think you do have to have some sort of understanding from the referee back the way it was before VAR that they have their interpretation of, of what's happened and, and it looks different at real time than it does on a slow motion replay. But about the match, and I, I, I'm not sure I share your optimism about Saint-Étienne. Um, yes, they fought very hard. I thought I've, the first 20 minutes they, they really mixed it with Leon, but Leon had more quality and, and Saint-Étienne, the fact that they're still looking for that first win, that they played by far their best football of this season and still needed 
a VAR penalty, even if it was the right decision, in the 93rd minute to try and, against 10 men, to get something from this match. I think there that points to it being, you know, more alarm bells ringing than anything, especially for uh, Claude Puel, who who has really struggled so far this season to get anything from this side. Robbie, we'll keep an eye on that. Their next five games are seriously winnable. And when when you look at the... And they have had tough fixtures. And when you look at the scenes at the at the final whistle, you know, that was a win. I know it's only one point. But that was a win for Santet. And it was so important not to not to lose that derby. And it keeps Leon 10th in, in the table. I said this game had it all. Um, I didn't mention that we had the um, habitual 20-man melee uh, just <laughs> after the, the halftime whistle when... Um, who was it? I think it was Kolodzicek accidentally put his finger into Lucas Paqueta's eye. Um, we then had um, a pitch invasion after the uh, Kazri penalty. So it did have it all. The game was interrupted as well because uh, there were too many flares behind behind the goal. And I'll tell you what, um, I said it actually before this game and um, I said it to our friend Armel Tangin. He was surprised. I think this is the fixture I enjoy commentating most, or certainly in, in, in recent years. And I, I want to have a word about Anthony Lopez, because he does seem to be always at the heart of controversy in these games and uh, the sending off. It was almost a bit comical because Buanga tried to flip the ball past him. He was outside his box. It hit his arm and he went down clutching his face. <laughs> and for me, it was, you know, initially I was like, oh, that is just clear play acting. He's trying to, you know, claim it's, it's, it's hit his face and not his, his arm. On the replay, you see it hits his arm and then his face. But then he realises that the play is going on and that Roman Amuma might score, so he suddenly then forgets about the pain in his face, gets up, sprints back, and 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 he got his red card. But most Ian, amazing you know, thing, Matt, is that that's yeah, sorry, the first Rob. ever red card of of his career. And when you think about the most all the the and I, I say this a little bit tongue in cheek, but the fear that he puts into the heart of most opposition strikers, and the number of opposition strikers that have felt uh, a knee or a fist from Anthony Lopez in the heat of the battle. I mean, it's, it's miraculous to think that that's his, his one and only red card. He is the, uh, yeah, the ultimate pantomime uh, villain, isn't he? Ian, anything to, to add on Anthony Lopez before we move on? Yeah, ex- ex- exactly that, isn't it? I mean, it, it is incredible. I, I had to, I, I read that twice. Like, what? Are you sure? <laughs> to be honest, I'm still not sure. That's, that's how, that's how unusual it is. Um, it, it was pretty funny, wasn't it? When he, it comes off his arm, then it does ricochet into his nose, and he, he goes down. He goes down in just dramatic way. Um, the, I have to say, we'll probably come to that later. But the only more dramatic fall I, I saw this weekend was Borat Ilmas's attempt to win a penalty against Marseille, um, which was just just theatrical. But um, I just want to come just quickly on that denier handball. Really, really. I mean, they've watched that several times and gone, "Yeah, that's handball." They're kidding, right? And, and it has to be. No, what? what do you mean? The, and, and Hang on, he's 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 it, gone the ball's going like, to hit in a in a in a Superman type pose. The ball's no? going to hit Malagusto. The ball's going to hit Malagusto. How how is it even going to get? It's not even going to get to the goal. Whether it hits Denier's arm or not, it's hitting Malagusto right behind him. I, I've just got. I can't. I can't would see you, that at all. I can't see how that. But it hit. But it hits Denier's arm, and his yes. arm is out. He's got both his arms out. But it's going. It's hitting Malagusto face. right behind him. It doesn't make any difference what? whether it hits his arm or it doesn't hit his arm. It's not, it's never, it, it's in, in any, he's lunging forward. Where's he supposed to put his arms? Where is he, where, this is what well, I don't not, understand. Not, not, not out at like Superman in front of him. Where, so where does he put him? 
but by, by his side or like you know by his side so what he's gonna so he's gonna be totally off balance he's almost he's he's really falling forwards where do you put your arms when you fall forward i certainly don't try and unless unlike, unlike anthony lopez i don't <laughs> fall directly onto my nose um i try and i try and stop myself and no i i just i don't know i, I don't know well, these, no, i heard these vir I heard decisions ge- i generally i generally support them i hate people who is now saying oh let's go back to the old way because then they're just going to complain about referees making wrong decisions again but that yeah. one I'm, I'm i'm really not sure and as i say it, the I head know, is going to hit it is, uh, it's hard to judge these things in in slow motion because football's not played in in slow motion. And I I have to say when I was commentating, I thought, yeah, well defended by Jason Denier. And I heard Jerome Boateng in his interview post match, and he, he he wasn't at all happy with the uh, with the decision that was made. Um, but yeah, we'll have to we'll have to agree to disagree because on you know on the replay, I don't see how you can not give a handball for that. But, um, but you know. I it's a game of opinions. Just to come back. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, well, that's what I was saying about, you know, I'm not sure that the VAR has dispelled all doubts about decisions. And, and I think a lot of the time it still depends on, on which side you're supporting or, or, or not or how you interpret it in Ian's case because he's not supporting either team in this contest. But, yeah, I, d- I don't think it's necessarily clear-cut and I don't think the VAR has necessarily... Um, solved all the problems in in big matches like this i just had one more anthony lopez uh anecdote that i wanted to share very quickly my favorite my favorite anthony lopez anecdote is back when it was the 100th edition the centenary edition of the coupe de france and the numbers on the back of the shirts had all the former winners written inside the numbers and he went with a permanent marker and crossed out saint etienne every time in the back of his shirt on the number one he 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 crossed out Saint Etienne, and of course it got picked up by the cameras, and uh, and he actually got in trouble for it. I think he got a, a reprimand or some official sanction from the FFF for anti-sporting play. But that's just classic. That just sums up the boy because he was a, a former ultra as well in the in the in the stands at at uh, the Stade Gerland back in the day, and uh, he's Leon through and through. And this type of match for him is a big one. Absolutely. You're listening to Robbie Thompson on Le Boja, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. Lots to get through. Lots happened at the weekend, um, including a slightly surprising result at Roazon Park. Let's hear what happened. Ren versus Paris Saint-Germain. David Crossan is your commentator. Suleymane. Good ball by Suleymane and it's an own goal, I think. Gaetan Laborde celebrates. Need a replay to see who got the final touch, but Ren are in front. Paris Saint-Germain have dominated for the last 20 minutes, but it is Ren who take the lead in the lunchtime kickoff. Lovely football from Martin Terrier. Laborde's cross, and it's 2-0. Goals either side of half-time. The second scored by Flavian Tay. An unbelievable start to the second period for Wren. Beyond their supporters' wildest dreams as Donnarumma is beaten again. Wren 2, Paris Saint-Germain 0 is the final score. Goals from Laborde and Tay. Paris Saint-Germain's 100% record comes to an end at Roison Park. A famous victory for Bruno Genesio's side. Well, Ian and uh, Robbie, another cracking game of football. PSG went into it, of course, with those eight wins from eight games. We thought 
Perhaps the title race could be wrapped up at Christmas, but we also mentioned in recent weeks that they've had a fairly kind run of fixtures, Paris Saint-Germain. Probably the game against Lyon, the one, uh, the one tough one on paper, at least, that they've had at the, uh, at the Parc des Princes. This was a tough one. And Ren, in the end, really did, did deserve this win. Um, Ian, it's, it's, it's a surprise... But perhaps, you know, those of us who've watched Ren in, in recent weeks won't be totally shocked. No, I mean, we can talk Champions League hangover and I think we've got to give Paris Saint-Germain credit for a very good win against Manchester City, even if, if they did enjoy a bit of the, the rub of the green, shall we say. Let's uh, talk about that Bernardo Silva miss. But um, I think that Paris Saint-Germain, if they could have finished yesterday would have been out of sight before Ren got on the scoreboard, wouldn't they? Neymar, Mbappe, mm. Messi. Let's uh, Messi's unlucky. I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, that guy. That well, that, that's the problem when you have second-rate strikers. <laughs> well, I think what the I think the the problem was that okay, the, the the first Ren goal is an absolute beaut, isn't it? I mean, what a ball in by Suleimana and 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 that guy, that kid. I mean, he's a young guy. He he's tremendous. He really is him and Doku on either side. Oh, that is that is that is just woof. That is fabulous. But the second goal, okay, Paris Saint Germain is still in the dressing room by it would appear. And Flavian Tate, have they not learned anything from that Bruges game when Hans van Aken arrived late and, and scored from the edge of the box? I mean Tate had even more space. The the midfield is just the midfield's just not tracking back. I wonder, and maybe this is one for Robbie, if Ander Herrera is on the pitch instead of Angel Di Maria, is that is that not a goal? Is Ander Herrera back there and stopping Flavian Tier netting that second one? Ander Herrera was on the pitch against Bruges at the moment when Vanneken scored. But it's a good point um, because Pochettino went for a more attacking team, didn't he? He made one change from the side that beat City and he went with this 4-2-3-1. Di Maria coming in for Herrera. So you've got the four attackers, just Verratti and Gay. In, in midfield, is that is that viable, Robbie, in, 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 in a tough game, like a game away to Wren? Well, if you look, and first of all, let me start by saying that I thought Wren fully deserved their victory over the 90 minutes, particularly in the second half where where they were good. But it was, for me, it was a classic league arm match in terms of you have a, a Paris Saint-Germain side that, that go. I thought they made a slow start, maybe in terms of Champions League hangover a little bit, even if I don't really think you can you can justify that, especially since the match against Manchester City was on Tuesday. Here we're on yeah, Sunday, and so Ren, five days, and Ren, and Ren yeah. played on Thursday as well in, in, the, in the conference against Vitesse Arnhem. So, look, I think in, in, in many respects, that's uh, no longer a relevant, relevant argument, the Champions League, and especially when you have the Paris Saint-Germain players that they have. Um, so Ren made a very good start. Then Paris Saint-Germain did dominate. As Ian said, Messi hit the crossbar. It's the third time he's hit the woodwork. His free kicks are almost, almost like penalties. I mean, they are very, very good. It's the second time he's hit the woodwork from, from a free kick. He had one in the second half that nearly, very nearly hit the woodwork again. Um, Neymar should have scored. Mbappe should have scored. And I'm talking really... Or not quite Bernardo Silva misses, but not far off from from those two. Um, so look, Paris Saint-Germain should have been in front. And otherwise, look, Ren were there to defend. Ren were there to get numbers behind the ball. They did that very well. They looked to counterattack to try and get in behind Hakimi 
and Nuno Mendes, which I think they, they did. Gaten Laborde is a fantastic footballer. We said it for, for years at Montpellier and even before that at Bordeaux. He's showing it again now. Um, small error, perhaps, from Nuno Mendes, who sort of lost Gaten Laborde for the, for the goal just before halftime. Um, and then in the second half, look, it's a goal that Paris Saint-Germain shouldn't concede, but I think both of them were probably avoidable. But that happens. Fair play, Ren. They they scored off day for Paris Saint Germain. Ren took full advantage, and but but in terms of oh, this is you know alarm bells starting to ring for Paris Saint Germain. I don't think so. I think Paris Saint Germain enjoyed the the lion's share of possession, as Ian said. If they'd put away their chances, they would have been two or three goals to the good at half time already. So, you know, fair play, Ren. You you. The, the window of opportunity was there. You took it. 2-0 victory. First defeat of the season for Paris Saint-Germain, who stay for the moment six points clear at the top. So it's not 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 end of the world crisis for Paris Saint-Germain either. Oh, and Bruno Genesio, good win for him, an important win for him. He'd, uh, he'd already beaten PSG three times during his time as uh, as Lyon manager. Um, Rennes are something of a bête noire for, for PSG as well in recent years. It's, it's, it's a big result for them because I've, I've felt... They've been playing well and not getting the points that that they deserve. Perhaps this will be the springboard good win in Europe um, against Vitas Arnhem, and now this one. And uh, I just want to echo what what Ian was saying about Kamaldin Sulemana is just one of those players who gets you off your seats. And uh, 19 years of age, they spent quite a lot of money bringing him in uh, from from Danish football, but uh, he he looks just absolutely electric, so confident. Um, it makes a difference when you're playing a team like PSG. I think if you've got somebody who can take the game to Paris like that and not be afraid and, and you know, and run at Hakimi and run at the, the PSG defenders. And I think that kind of breeds off, uh, you know, on, 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 on the other players. So I fully expect to see Ren climbing those standings um, pretty quickly in, I, the, I uh, third, in the next few weeks. I third those sentiments as well. He is a very, <laughs> very exciting footballer. Yeah, I think I think the fact that, that Hakimi Hakimi got two out of ten in the keep today uh, is down to the fact that Sulemana got eight out of ten, and uh, it was you know how how many players have done that to to Ashraf Hakimi since he came to yeah, the yeah well perhaps None. perhaps Hakimi thought he was going to have another easy night after the um, the night he had with uh, Jack Grealish in his <laughs> pocket for for seventy odd minutes until he let until until Grealish was put out of his misery by by Pep Guardiola. Uh, Suleimana, sorry, a, a different proposition altogether. PSG are six points clear. Uh, Lens are still second. They got a good win on, on Friday night. Um, incredible the way Lens are playing and uh, the the wins they're getting. 2-0 against Rouse. It was a, a PSG man, um, Arno Kalimwendo, who's on loan at, at Lens. He got his first goals of the season. Nice also victorious. They're up to, um, to third. Nice beating Brest. 2-1, and I think it's fair to say it was a more comfortable win for Galtier's team than that scoreline suggests. Absolutely. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you for, <laughs> for validating that comment. I'm going to bring in um, our Deja Who uh, section now. I know it's um, something our listeners do look forward to. We had a, a good clue last week, thanks to Ian Holyman. Um, this was it. I checked into French football in 2000. And after brief stints in Spain and Italy, checked out in 2019. I only played for two Ligue 1 clubs, featuring in a major European final for one, winning the Coupe de France with the other and making over 400 Ligue 1 appearances. 
I played alongside Olivier Capo, Cedric Carasso, Ludovic Julie, and Ludovic Obraniak. Um, that was, yeah, that was a tricky one. It, it, it was a good one. The answer was Jaroslav Plasil, the uh, Czech international who is almost an adopted Frenchie. We've seen him over here for so long. And uh, Frenchie, by the way, um, got it right. He says, or Ian tells me, he also got Florent Balmont uh, last week, but he sent it in quite late in the day. Uh, James Cathy got this one. Amin Nasir got this one and also said, great show. Thank you very much, Amin. Hunter Mugoki um, got uh, got that. And he says the uh, checked in was a, was a fantastic clue. So well done, Ian. You're... You're, you're, you're winning some fans here. Um, Davor Tokakovic, mispronunciation, gives me a chuckle Tuchakovic. every time. He, he even spelled it out. Tchakovic. Yeah, Tchakovic. I, I would have got it right first time, to be fair, if, if the if the accents had been on it, but yeah, it's Tchakovic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Ian had written in brackets um, how to spell it no, out. No, he, he wrote that at the end of the oh, email. he wrote it. Yeah, yeah he did, yeah. Thanks, Thank Davor. you, Davor. Davor, can I just call you Davor in future? Uh, Thomas DeRoy <laughs> got the right answer, as did Habib Bar. Time now for this week's Deja Who. If you think you know the League Arm footballer or ex-footballer that we're talking about, send us an email, league1podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag Deja Who on Twitter. Good luck, everybody. This is, a, this is a good one, by the way. Kapow! I had two spells at my hometown club, bookending a professional career that took me to five other Ligue 1 sides. Wham! I won the double with one club, picked up a Ligue 1 title with another, and lifted a Coupe de la Ligue with my first club. Thwack! My initials sound like a fight caption in the 1960s Adam West version of Batman. Hence the unorthodox clues. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Ian Holyman. If you think you know the answer, league1podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag Deja Who on Twitter. Um, yes, uh, I will bring in a, a question because if you've got questions, do send us uh, any comments or questions on, uh, on the email. Alex Tremblay got in touch and he said he's really, really excited about Wren. They and other teams have realised that PSG are fallible and uh, they go for it. What a fiery start. There's Messi at Paris, but Laborde could be the signing of the year. Um, lovely comments from Alex. He then ruined it by saying, get Armel Tangi back on. This guy cracks me up. <laughs> well, look, we're, we're trying, Alex. We're trying to get Armel back on, but he's, 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 he's a busy boy. But um, very quickly, guys, are you as excited as Alex and myself about Ren? I think that silence says it all, doesn't it? I mean, no, I mean, no. To be fair, to be fair. Firstly, Alex, I mean, putting Laborde and Messi in the same sentence, I had to read that twice as well. But he, he's a de- he's a very decent player. Um, and the, I thought that the second goal that that Ren scored against PSG was was excellent. It really was. The one, I mean, nobody, okay, nobody's tracking Flaviente into the box, and that that was probably quite nice because it put it, it meant that he could score and, and cap a, a brilliant team move. I think that they've been building a side, a, a capable side, for, for quite some time, haven't they? Um, I think that they've got one. Bruno Genesio is a hugely underrated underrated coach. Um, gets a, a lot of unfair press, I think. He's just he, he's just not sexy enough, is he, for the French press, for the French media. Um, so he's a great guy, by the way. Loves his fishing, as he, uh, as he told me once. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
But was um, that in a lift, Ian, because usually these chats happen in in an elevator. No, somewhere. no, 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 no. This was uh, this was this was at Leon's uh, training centre some time ago. Um, anyway, <laughs> nice chat, nice chat. But he he he, they're putting it together such a good side. And I say that second goal was so brilliantly put together. Just. The passing move, it was so sweet. And then Tay arriving, it was almost like a training ground exercise, except this was against Paris Saint-Germain, who've just beaten Manchester City a few days earlier. Indeed. I Indeed. think, it, well, I think what, what um, and perhaps what Alex Tremblay is getting at as well, is that we should see more sides try and go for PSG. Um, yeah. It, I don't think it's in terms of tactics, because I think we've seen the tactics that Ren used before trying to get the better of Paris Saint-Germain. But in just in the, the, the confidence and the aggression, you know, in a good sense, as the French would say, dans le bon sens de le terme, they were aggressive on the ball carrier, they closed down space, they gave it everything, they were positive in their attitude, and I think that is perhaps an example for other sides to follow in France. Other scores uh, from the weekend, a good victory for Monaco, 3-0 against Bordeaux, I think it's fair to say they are... Back on track, Nico Kovac's uh, team. Montpellier won, Strasbourg won. Angers, uh, we're going to have to talk about Angers one of these days, guys. They are doing unbelievably well. Stefan Barkin scored um, in added time to clinch a 3-2 victory for them against Mets. They are fourth in the table, level with Nice. Um, Nantes also uh, back in business. Comboire's men beating Trois by two goals to nil. Lorient won. Clermont won, but we're going to um, focus now on Lille and Marseille. That was uh, a huge game on Sunday afternoon. The defending champions, um, much like Monaco, are having a slow start, but just beginning to click into gear now. Marseille had a fast start, but they're looking uh, like they're wavering a little bit. Ian Holyman was uh, on hand at the Stade Pierre Mauroy to bring us the action. Celic, crossing opportunity. And stabbed in by Jonathan David, whose scoring streak continues. He had three in his last two before this one. Make that four in three for the Canada International. As opportunistic as they come. Alberto Sanchez flips it forward for Weyer. Plenty of red shirts forward. And that's it. Jonathan David again, no doubt that the points are staying in Lille now. It's hard to argue they don't deserve it. They should have wrapped up this game long before now. Yeah, so Ian, 2-0, the final score. Jonathan David, he's been in great nick this season. Both goals for him and overall, um, Lille deserving this win. Absolutely, and it, it could have and should have been a lot more. Bora Ilmaz, what's happened to him? He, he couldn't finish his dinner right now. He probably couldn't even finish the dessert after dinner. It's um, he's, His finishing is, is all over the place, um, mostly over the bar uh, and wide of the post, as it was yesterday. It missed a great chance in the first half, um, missed a great chance at the start of the second. Uh, his, his greatest contribution actually was mostly whipping up the crowds yesterday. <laughs> Um, and and keeping Genghis under uh, under control after he got sent off and uh, wasn't 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 too impressed with the referee's decision. But Jonathan David, yep, he, the, the boy's on fire. Uh, five goals. He he was he was very fortunate, I have to say. And uh, and on Arsenal watch, Matt uh, William Saliba was was fabulous yesterday. He he was brilliant. 
He really was. He he looks so good. Brings the ball. I mean, when he brings the ball out of defence, it, it, it's just it, it. He reminds me a lot of Mats Hummels. He he really does. Um. So if he if he becomes sort of two thirds, let's say, of the player that Mats Hummels is, then uh, or was, uh, he'll he's, he's going to be fantastic. Um, have to start but, scoring goals then. Well, okay, let's talk about Matt. That's almost the defender and the guy who who, who brings the ball out of defence and, and distributes it. But he was Ian. Ian, he was at fault for the for the first goal. No, he I, was. I, I don't think he, tremendous tackles as well. No, he wasn't at fault for the first goal. He wasn't. He no? he no, 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 no. He cut he cut the ball out. It ricochets off David. It ricochets off the back of Saliba, and it just drops nicely for David to poke it past. Paul Lopez. It was it was good play from David to just keep his bearings and, and keep and, and keep an eye on where the ball is. But he Saliba was there. Saliba was just for me, Saliba was very unlucky for the first goal. He he really was. That the ricochet that comes off David could have gone anywhere. It hit him on the back of the legs and just fell for Jonathan David to put past Paul Lopez. Um otherwise he was I thought he was absolutely flawless. Um but Lille fully deserving. Marseille offered nothing. Really, nothing going forward. Bombardier uh, was on in the in the first half. San Paoli changed it up in the second. It didn't change anything. They were they were they were poor going forward. Set pieces. Not were even poor. not e- not even when Milik came on because I know no. we've been waiting so much for Milik's return from injury. What he played twenty minutes or so, didn't he? Well, he 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 came off. He came off the bench. He'd come off the bench against Galatasaray the other day, and everybody's getting very excited. And, and there were there was even talk that he would start. So I presume he's not particularly fully fit yet. And and Bombardier's probably done enough to to get a chance. Although Bombardier is not really a, a central strike, and that's where Sao Paulo again played him yesterday. And he did have an early chance actually, and didn't didn't hit it very well. And it was straight at Gerbic. Uh, and just on a side note, Gerbic didn't look all that great, I have to say, yesterday, particularly against the high ball uh, into the box. He's hit, coming for crosses. So it's very, very shaky indeed. He's still got work to do, but Milik, no, didn't really make much of an impact. He ended up dropping deep and was found wide most of the time. I thought it was very like a Robert Lewandowski sort of performance, but without the finishing, without the goals. Well, my my Sunday afternoon experience watching this match was trying to do English homework with my with my nine-year-old um, as well and a lot of the time I was being very distracted I tried to turn the volume down on the match but the whole time I was trying to, to keep an eye on the spelling while being attracted back to the to the television because it was just a, a cracking open match of football as well and mm. I think most of it was happening down down the Marseille goal end because Lil on the counter attack it just seemed every every three minutes there was a chance I mean it was it was a hugely open and exciting match of football and it shows again and I talk often about about confidence and how important confidence and positive attitude is I thought Lil showed all that and clearly I mean that's three wins in a row now for for Lil they're starting to turn things around perhaps Jocelyn Govnek because it's been a pretty rocky road for him as well, um, we said that he's, you know, it's got more or less the same squad as, as last year's champions. So what has been going wrong? Perhaps it's just a matter of bedding in and starting to make the subtle little changes that he wanted to. And, and perhaps it's more, it has been more of a case of the absence of Christophe Galtier than, than the presence of Jocelyn Gorvenek. And perhaps Gorvenek is starting to make that presence felt. Perhaps 
he's starting to build a relationship with the players and they're starting to they're starting to click because I thought yes they could have won by many many more but it was a really positive positive match of football yeah I think well they, they I've been watching them in the Champions League as well um and they were positive and uh, played well against Wolfsburg in the first game drew nil nil they were they were pretty good against Salzburg the other night lost 2-1 I think it's it Nothing. Govnek hasn't done anything particularly. I mean, yesterday's side was set up tactically and pretty much man for man as it would have been under Galtier last season. I think. But what you're right, Robbie, is that is that he's building this relationship with the players that that he didn't have, and and that that is that's what's making the difference because we we know that the the core of the title winning squad is still there. Uh, if they won the title last season, they didn't become bad players over the over the summer. Um, and it, it, with Jonathan David, I mean, just just a, qu- a quick, a quick little stat on him. He's got 17 goals in this calendar year. Only Mbappe and Ben Yedder have have scored more, which which says everything about how how what great form he's in. I mean, he, we knew he was a good player coming from Belgium. Didn't score in the first 10 games, but since then his strike rate has been exceptional. And a, a little word on on Tim Weir as well. Came off the bench yesterday, set up the second. For uh, for David late on, um, that's two assists for for him now as well. So that the North American connection is working very very well for Lille as well. Yeah, and I think David looks sharp and he looks relatively slim as well. We know he's got a sort of stocky build, but he's had a few few weight issues. I think he's a guy who you know he needs to be he needs to be training. He can't be he can't be out injured. It takes him time to to get back. He really does. He looks like a good bet, I would say, for, for top scorer this season because he's going to get the service. Um, Lille have got Jonathan Bomber back. That's important. Renato Sanchez as well was on the bench and, and came on. So they're getting back to full strength. Ikone didn't didn't he hit the post and and, and the bar? There yeah, was one did. of those. Yeah, he should have scored shot against the bar. He should have scored. Shouldn't yeah, he, he should have scored against the bar that, uh, when he hit against the bar. That was that was sort of that banana yeah. silver miss again. Uh, but yeah, the sec- they've got the second one yeah, was beautifully sorry, worked. Yeah. Sorry, and, and and he struck it really well, and he was just he, he was unlucky just to just to have have, have mis- miscalculated slightly. As but as I say, Marseille offered nothing, and uh, Lille Lille looked good. It, it's it's a stretch to say Lille are going to finish in the top two. Even the top three might be a push, but uh, fourth or fifth. Huge stretch, Ian. Huge stretch. No way. Well, hang on, it, it, Robbie, the it, top two or three. It's unbelievably close, isn't it? You've got Nice, who are third with 16 points, and then you've got Leon 10th, just three points behind them. So it's, you know, a couple of wins and it and it all changes. One final word on Marseille. I'm going to see if Ian and I can agree on a refereeing decision. Um, the under-red <laughs> card was really harsh. Now, yeah. it was a second yellow yeah. for a high boot. He, he, he's, not, he's only looking at the ball. He doesn't see the player coming. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Okay. I, I agree that... Goodman, it's Goodmanson actually, and and you see under sort of take a quick look over his right shoulder to see where the opposing player is. I mean that's the the whole idea, and then it, it, the ball the ball is high, and he's just trying. He's he's got his his back almost to play. He's about on about the halfway line, and he's just trying to hook it forward. And Goodmanson comes in and and bends down. I mean, and Senge's under uh, Genghis under is not the not the biggest player. Uh, Goodmanson already bends down, and and. Gets caught in the face by by Under's foot. For me, yes, it's just it, there's no intent there at all. He didn't even know the guy was there until the very last second. No way that he could have pulled out the challenge. Uh, we're going to have to agree to to agree, Matt, on this one because uh, fair enough. That that was not a second yellow. 
But worrying times for Marseille, just one point from their last three in the league. They are in that chasing pack. They're, they're fifth at the moment. They do have that game in hand as well against Nice. Um, Lille are up to eighth. Um, but, you know, it doesn't make much difference if you're fifth or eighth because they both have the same number of points. They both have 14 points. It is, it is that tight. Um, we're going to look ahead, guys, uh, to the next round of action, which comes after the international break. Um, some big games coming up. Let's go on our little bon voyage. Okay, the big matches in round 10. Paris Saint-Germain-Angers, that is a top-of-the-table clash. First against fourth. Uh, Lyon-Monaco on Saturday night could be, uh, could be a cracker. Monaco in, uh, in good form now. Lyon need to get three points after a couple of 1-1 draws. Uh, Marseille-Lorient is the Sunday night clash. Robbie, where can, uh, where can we tempt you for round 10? I think I'll be at the Parc des Princes, Matt, and it, and it, because I seem to remember speaking of our our, our absent friend Armel Tongi uh, last year. He said, "What is it with Angers when they play PSG? They just they always try the same thing. They always concede five goals. It's it just doesn't work. Perhaps with the change of coach, perhaps with uh, their high flying start to the season." Perhaps we will see an Angers side with a with a bit of confidence after their last minute three two win uh, at the weekend come out all guns blazing at the Parc des Princes because if uh, as Alex Tremblay uh, our our writer in suggests perhaps the example is that sides should go for Paris and try and go for the jugular and attack them this Angers side is high on confidence with nothing to lose perhaps we'll see. Them go for it. They are a huge surprise package already so far this season. Well, and, uh, yeah. why not go for it? They have nothing to lose. They've got Muhammad Ali, haven't they? Muhammad they Ali will the go for the, for the jugular. Yeah, Muhammad Ali Cho, who scored again, a 17-year-old of huge talent. He scored um, his second goal of the season at the weekend. And, and Stefan uh, sure Borken got the winner. He knows what it what it feels like to score against PSG as well. Wasn't he the Strasbourg man that? Yeah. that got Strasbourg's famous win at the Menno but against, he's, against yeah. PSG going back. But he's a, not. A few he's years not very now. good though, Rob. Is he? <laughs> is that harsh? <laughs> I think. Well, uh, maybe that's a know, little bit harsh. That, he's an international uh, footballer, man. No, he. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I mean, I can't see him causing too much. I, I, I can see Cho causing problems. That's all. But Bauer can. I. Yeah, maybe he'll. But maybe he'll this prove is me the wrong. thing maybe about Angers. But this is the thing about Angers. I mean, I wrote them off at the end of last season already before this season, and I, I can't believe what they're achieving. So. So look, why not Stefan Boakin? Go for Gerard it. Batik. Gerard Batik. Gerard <laughs> Batik is a real attack-minded coach. But uh, we, we're moving off the topic. Yes. Ian, uh, Bon Voyage, back to the Bon Voyage. Where do you fancy going? Sorry, I was just musing on the possibilities of the headlines about Angers management issues and things like that. Anyway, um, there's, um, wow, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of great fixtures. Uh, Leon Monaco looks a, looks a goodie. Um, Bordeaux Nantes. That is a tasty one. Rennes going to Metz. I mean, that could be that could be a lot of goals there. Strasbourg, Saint-Étienne, two of France's best supported sides. But I'm going to go to Marseille, Lorient, because it always ends up about 7-9, doesn't it? I mean, it's always a... Lorient have been in, in, in great form. Marseille are going to go for it because that San Paolo just doesn't do anything other than going for it. That one could be, that one could be an absolute thriller down at the Velodrome. All right, then. I'm going to head east. I'm going to go to Strasbourg, one of the best atmospheres in uh, in Ligue 1 at the moment at the Stade de la Meno. Um, 
partly because I want to see if Saint-Étienne can build on their battling draw against Lyon. And I, I, I fancy them. I fancy them to prove Robbie Thompson wrong and mm. to drive up to mid-table in the coming weeks. Mm. Mm. <laughs> not so sure, not so sure. We'll have to wait and see. That's going to be a, you know, that's going to be a, a running, uh, a running Le Bourgeois uh, issue, I think, in the coming weeks. But uh, that's it. That's it, fellas. Unless there's something very important you need to say, you need to say it right now because the podcast is coming to an end. I think we should That's say it. very quickly. Oh. No, no, very quickly then, because we didn't. We were we we were pressed for time last weekend, uh, last Monday, so we didn't get to it. But congratulations to you, Matt, on your your football book of the year for for Sacre Bleu. I don't think we mentioned it. We mentioned that you were going for it. We didn't mention that you. You won it. That's that very you nice, Robbie. The pool, so that's, but, but uh, it sounds like I was fishing for that now by saying, "Does anyone got anything they want to add?" <laughs> yeah, extending Which the pod deliberately. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's a it's a good opportunity and credit where it's due because it's a it's a fantastic achievement. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, it's a it's it's a real honour. I'm very very humbled by it, and um, yeah, it's nice to thank you, Robbie. Thank you. That's it's, it's nice to to get some some recognition for what what was hard work and. And I'm glad if some people think it's a it's a, it's a good book. I I'd think like French football is French football is a great subject. I'd like to second. I'd like to second that, and uh, and I'm also going to clip out the, um, the the moment where Robbie says Lille have got no chance of finishing in the top three. Yeah, you can Ooh. clip out all sorts of things because I can give you actually the end of season standings if. You'll, but anyway, we'll we'll say. Alright, guys, we're running part. long. We're running long here. Uh, thank you very much, Robbie Thompson. Thank you, Ian Holyman. Thank you above all. To our listeners around the world, do keep tuned in. Um, Le Bourgeois will be uh, having a, a little week off uh, due to the international break, but we'll be back again as soon as the action is back. From me, Matt Spiro, it's time to say goodbye. We'll see you again very soon. Bye bye, everyone. Bye bye. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Sensational. 